the Google and Facebook duopoly, and then the rise of Amazon. Brands are navigating a world where these platforms are changing the rules constantly. So we're hosting the Digiday Marketing Summit, where marketers will talk about how to take back control. Join us in Nassau, Bahamas for some insightful takeaways and ideas on figuring out the ROI on your digital ad spend. And network with the industry peers who are in the same boat, thinking about how to work with new platforms, often with tight resources. To learn more, visit digiday.com slash events. Hope to see you there. This is Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer Aditi Sangul. On today's show, a session from the Digiday Video Anywhere Summit that we held recently in Laguna Beach, California. From traditionally video-centric media networks to the publishers that have recently pivoted to video, the industry faces the stark reality of digital video, and it's no secret. So we hosted publishers who together explored the possibilities of video and how they're tackling the uphill task of building business models that drive revenue and not just viewership. In this episode, Digiday senior reporter Sahil Patel talks to David Levy, the president of Turner, about the evolution of the company and gets some answers on the AT&T deal and what's next on the agenda for their digital properties. The, the topic of this session is the evolution of Turner, and I feel like we can't really touch on that before we talk about the 800-pound uh, gorilla in the room. Um, it was recently, recently announced that there's some, a little bit of an extension with the AT&T deal, so what's going on there? What's happening? <laughs> AT&T, okay, I heard about that company. Did anybody need a two-year plan? Because I can sell you a two-year plan if you need to. I'm supposed to in, in, a, in a couple of months. Um, listen, I can't talk much about it. Here's, here's what I'll say about AT&T and Turner and, and Time Warner. Um, been at Turner 30 years, and Ted said this way back when, content is king. I think I'm gonna add to that, maybe make a little bit of a tweak to it. I think content and platforms are king. And we have great content. AT&T, DirecTV has great platforms, and we're looking forward to working with them, hopefully sooner rather than later. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Yes. Um, so speaking of platforms, uh, you guys made a pretty big announcement. Uh, I think it was in August. Uh, you signed a deal with UEFA. I said it right for once. Uh, UEFA. There you go. Uh, to stream, oh, not, not to stream, but to broadcast uh, the entire competition over the next few years. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about sort of your plans with that deal and what, what you guys are looking to do with them? So UEFA, people don't, does everybody know what UEFA is? You know, so it's the Champions League and Europa League, so, so two of the big soccer leagues over in, over in Europe. Um, for us, it was kind of a unique opportunity for us. Um, most people were thinking that we bought that property for our traditional television business. But actually, we bought that property for three different reasons. One, yes, it will air on our traditional television networks, uh, TBS, TNT, and True TV, although we haven't really decided the makeup of that. But the majority of these games are going to air on new products. So we're launching a new OTT product, a new sports OTT product uh, that will probably be beta tested at some time this January, February, March, and it'll be fully operational by the start of uh, the UEFA series in August of 18. Uh, there'll be a lot of other sports properties on that, but that's going to be our foundation. It's also going to be very closely tied into our Bleacher Report business, our digital business. Um, we've got a lot of rights around uh, non-game content, locker room content, interviews, athletes, so forth, where they want, you know, where they live, what they do. So we, we bought that property for three different opportunities. One, our traditional business, two, our digital business, and one of our new businesses, our OTT business. And I think that's how you have to think about all your properties these days. Will it, will it have its own unique name and sort of, I guess, just brand? I'm not going to announce the name here today, although if we all go outside, maybe a little later I'll announce it. Yeah. But um, 
No, I'm not going to talk about the name yet, but uh, we'll probably announce that sometime around CES. Okay. So uh, in terms of uh, doing the gr a great bulk, uh, bulk of it on OTT, why was, that, why was that the approach? I mean, you do have great television distribution across multiple channels. Why try to create this brand new thing when well, you have an existing thing to broadcast well, it on? Well, we have a lot of data and information about where what's happening in this industry right now, the ecosystem, right? So um, where are millennials finding their content? You talked about still, which I liked, I heard you in the back there, that TV and film are still you know, the holy grail. So we still provide a lot of great content, a lot of great things in that ecosystem. That ecosystem hopefully will stay as healthy as it is today, although we do know we see trends of cord cutters, cord nevers, and so forth. And, 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 and so we need to basically figure out how we reach these consumers on other platforms. And it's very hard to take something that is in your traditional ecosystem and move it in places that you can't, that, that, that piece of property. It wasn't a part of any of our ecosystem we had. So we could take that property and actually put it anywhere we wanted to, do it any way we wanted to, as long as we, we created the rights for that. And so it gave us a great opportunity. We, know we have other, what I would say, digital untethered properties. We have Super Deluxe. We have Great Big Story. Um, we, we have a piece of, um, you know, obviously, Bleacher Report. Um, so these are properties that we can now figure out how we reach the consumers on all these different platforms. because. The measure of success right now has to change. Okay. You know, we've been living in a, in, a, in a society that the measure of success is Nielsen's live ratings for television. That's really not what's happening right now. The measure of success is really about the whole ecosystem, holistically taking a look. And I'll, I'll, use, um, I'll use Rick and Morty as an example. So one of our favorite properties on Adult Swim. Rick and Morty uh, has a huge fan base. And that measure of success is going to be far different how we look at it versus the 31 episodes that we have. Most people think the way that success is right now that we have 500 episodes. We don't. But it's on social. It's at events. It's consumer products. It's a video game. It's virtual reality. All those things, what I would say is the fandom around um, Rick and Morty and how we measure success is far differently now. We measure success holistically, not just on television. Well, how does that translate into, into revenue, right? I mentioned uh, around the idea that you see among a lot of digital media companies this, uh, this greater uh, uh, focus and experimentation on creating new forms of revenue. If we're going to look at Rick and Morty as an example or some, uh, some other sure. property that you might have, um, obviously when it comes to the, the full episodes that air on television or digital platforms, it's funded through advertising. But how, how does that, that look at looking at the business in a different way translate into how you're creating revenue across a lot of different ways for these properties. Yeah, I mean, you can look at Rick and Morty, you can look at the NCAA tournament, you can look at many different properties that we have. You have to holistically think about how you're going to drive different opportunities for revenue. Advertising is only one piece, and that's how you can create other opportunities. I mean, from a digital perspective, you can create it from, from branded content, from IP, selling IP into like shirts, jackets, um, uh, uh, toys, manufacturing, um, or you can do events. You know, I mean, we, we, we take Rick and Morty out on the road, college campuses and things of that nature, sponsorships, um, and, and, then, and then, you know, Comic-Con. Um, these are properties, I mean, you, you You're turning shows into franchises in yeah, many ways. You're yeah. building fandom. Yeah. Right? You're building, you're building excitement around these properties, and that's really how it's going to win. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, another interesting thing that you guys have maybe uh, in many ways been a uh, at the forefront of over the past few years, um, you had the acquisition of Bleacher Report uh, yep. a few years back, right? You've made investments, investments in uh, internal, whether it's Super Deluxe and Great Big Story, as you mentioned, to, to putting money into companies like Refinery29 and Mashable. 
Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on why kind of invest in new businesses versus in many ways ex- expand mm-hmm. in traditional channels and bring them to digital. Why not put make well, you TBS have to do both. Okay. I mean, you have to do both. Yeah, We're not forgetting about TBS, TNT, Adult Swim, CNN. CNN is one of the biggest brands out there as far as cross-media is concerned. All those brands are important, right? But the opportunity to, to invest in new brands and what millennials are watching and what they're thinking about and how they're you know, uh, consuming content. I mean, Bleacher Report was bought uh, for many reasons, but the most important was the fact that we didn't have a voice 24-7 in the sports world. The premium quality of sports that we have on Turner is to just work with those specific brands. We're not a 24-hour, so we have to go after highly premium sports properties, the NBA. The NBA for us is really NBA playoffs and Thursday night. The March Madness, we don't have a lot of college basketball. We have the finals. We have the March Madness three weeks in March with our partners at CBS. Um, And baseball is mostly postseason. So for us, we didn't have a voice. We couldn't talk to our audiences uh, on a 24-7, seven-day-a-week, um, mm-hmm. 36 days a year right. situation. So Bleacher Report provided us that outlet. Uh, it also provided us, provided us an opportunity when we went after sports rights, when you go out and pitch a sports business, um, you, you do a, a, media, a media plan. So the media plan has different revenue streams. And part of going after these sports properties, one of the streams was digital content. And we had no platform to actually monetize that. So I would be getting these rights and not doing anything with them. So there was a way for me to use these rights that I was collecting for my TV business and extend it out in my digital business. So Bleach Report's a very good example of what it meant to the company. A, we needed a voice 24-7 to the consumers. And B, we needed something to, to monetize our digital rights that we were acquiring for the TV business. Now, sticking with uh, OTT for just a, a, a bit more, um, beyond UEFA... Uh, you guys have in the past year launched other uh, new sort of media brands. On Filmstruck, the Filmstruck, which right. is a criterion, which is a criterion library independent mm-hmm. um, uh, films, and Boomerang with our Looney Tunes, um, Hanna Barbera, and Cartoon Network library. Now, does that go back into sort of that notion of like we're trying to just find these areas where there might be where fandom uh, might exist yep. and kind of like super serve them in a lot of ways? Like, what, why, why even attempt those? Well, there's a few things. One is you know this business we've been in for for quite some time is we don't control and have any relationship with the customer. We have no direct-to-consumer relationship, right? We provide our content to the cable operators, the MVPDs, the satellite, and they control that experience, mm-hmm. right? They control the data. Should I do? What kind of programming should I launch? Who can I talk to my customer? That sounds this, a lot like what you hear about digital companies yeah. and Facebook and YouTube. Well, that's, well, listen, this is what's happening in this business right now, right? right. So uh, let's be honest. Um, what makes digital sexy? Digital is sexy because it has the analytics, the target marketing, and the data. What makes television sexy? It's the reach and the quality premium programming. But what's happening right now with both those businesses? There's this race towards this middle, right? What is, what is digital doing? Well, Facebook Live, they're buying, you know, we've sold content to them. Um, what is the TV business doing? TV business is getting all the analytics. We're getting set-top box data. We're getting into open AP. We're lo- so we're going to basically have the same targeting capabilities that the digital properties have been having. And the digital properties are trying to find the quality premium, con- pro- quality premium content. In the end, I think, because of the reach of television, I think ultimately the, the strong media brands with the great data are going to win. Yeah, so that, that's what I was going to ask. Like In terms of when you have basically these two types of distributors, whether it's the, the digital platforms uh, on this side and, and the, the, the broadband providers, so to speak, and the cable and satellite providers on this side, like where, 
what's a content company to do in that environment when they don't control that distribution? Is it, is it just focus on the content and building brands and making yourselves invaluable? Like what, how do you sit in the middle when everything's converging? How do you sit in the middle when everything's converging? Yeah. Well, you have to play in all the fields. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately, you know, and, and think about where I think this AT&T uh, Time Warner merger is understand about people's you know uh, viewing habits mm -hmm. through DirecTV and their set-top box boxes. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a lot of data about mobile phones. We're going to have a lot of information to, to serve into the cloud that we have with our direct-to-consumer opportunities as well as our TV properties. Mm -hmm. And so from an advertising basis, that's going to help us lead into, I think, where this business has to go is addressable television. Mm -hmm. And right? you guys are making a lot of investments in that area, right? We're making a lot of investments. Ultimately, you know, attribution and addressability are the two things that TV is going to win on. Because right now we run a 30-second spot uh, in pod 1A at 8 o'clock. Mm -hmm. That spot, let's say I sell it to Ford, that spot goes across the country. I can get a little bit more targeted now and say I know that there's an auto and tender in there. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so maybe 30% of that audience is audio tenders. So I can charge a premium for that. But seriously, I'm still running that Ford ad across the country. Mm -hmm. At some point, I want to be able to use that pod 1A and let's say there are 1,000 people that are watching that spot, I want to sell 1,000 different commercials. Is that possible, though? Absolutely. It's doing it right now. DirecTV does it with addressable in their homes right now. Mm -hmm. There's 15 million homes that are addressable. So uh, um, uh, Amazon can do it mm -hmm. in their properties. But so, does that happen more as sort of these distributors become more digital, right? Like well, DirecTV now, sort of all these areas. There's where a lot of ad tech product that's got to be built in, mm -hmm. but, but addressable TV is, is, is not in the future, it's now. Mm -hmm. How much of that will, will contribute to, uh, we recently had uh, Howard Schimmel on our podcast uh, a couple of months back, and he mentioned how, <clears throat> excuse me, um, programming, uh, only a certain percentage of it actually gets monetized in that, in, in sort of on linear, because eventually it's too old for it to, to work. Uh, what is that? I don't, I don't understand that. He was saying that... Uh, we monetize everything. I, I don't remember the exact... <laughs> I, I, I try not the, to not monetize something. I don't, I don't remember the exact percentage off the top of my head, but he was saying that because of sort of the, the, the limitations of, of, of old school, like Nielsen uh, back measurement and such, like outside of the, the initial... The CPM C, box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of the initial uh, uh, C7 window, it's, it's... Oh, I see. Okay. What, I'm saying? Yeah. what you're saying is outside the window. So C8, 9, 10, C35, right. 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 How much will sort of these advancements you guys making contribute to, to you know, just getting greater well, revenue is, out of your program? This is exactly what I said earlier is the, the measure of success has got to change. This is not about C3 or C7 because a lot of our shows, this is what happens, let's just be honest. You know, I, I put a good show up like Animal Kingdom and I say to everybody, you got to watch Animal Kingdom. And they say, well, you know, what, what episode do you want? I'm on episode five. Ah, I'll still love Animal Kingdom, but they're not going to watch it at the same time everybody else is watching right. it. That's why live sports, honestly, is, is succeeding in this particular marketplace, because live, you know, you're not going to watch, I always use this line, you know, no one's going to watch the Super Bowl on Monday. Right. You know, don't tell me the score. I don't want to know. So live sports, you know, tonight's game seven, trust me, it's going to be a big number. It's going to be a big number tonight because it's an elimination game and so forth. So, but that doesn't mean every entertainment show is going to have that same, oh my God, I have to watch, because there's so much content out there. So you know, the point that Howard was making is, I'm, the way the Nielsen system works today, I'm not able to monetize that the way I should six or seven months from now. Mm. That's going to have to change. Mm. And would sort of these advancements you're making on, on whether it's turning or net and such, lead towards that? Yes, okay. absolutely. Um, so what are the benefits you guys have and will have even at a, to a greater degree uh, once the acquisition goes through, is you will be able to control 
a decent amount of distribution through that for, for your content and other people's content. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on the people in the room that don't have all that AT&T money eventually. Uh, how much should media companies focus on controlling their distribution? People that don't have the AT&T money. Well, is, that, is that like a new wampum money? I don't, yeah, know, what I don't know. It seems like a big, uh, a big opportunity in that capacity. But what I mean to say is if you're a digital media company and you don't have I mean, you rely, you're very reliant on the Facebooks and the YouTubes of the world. Like, how much should you, time should you spend on creating products that will allow you to at least in some way control your own distribution and get closer to I, the I think, listen, you know, Facebook is your frenemy. We use Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, we use Snapchat. I mean, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to use it from a marketing perspective. It's an opportunity for us. We are actually monetizing through branded content. Mm -hmm. um, it's a way to get our, um, our uh, highlights out in, in a timely manner. Uh, it helps us talk to our fans. Um, but to be honest with you, we're not monetizing like we should. Ultimately, um, you know, th the IP that we're providing them versus the monetization we're making is probably not the right model right now. Uh, it's getting better, uh, but it's not the right model. Um, and I think that's why Facebook is trying to, you know, honestly, that's why they're trying to get into live, you know, the, the, the uh, quality premium yeah. sports and quality premium programming because they're realizing that you know, if we start figuring this all out, how are we going to keep giving them IP with no, with no monetization? We'd be out of business. So, I, I, listen, being able to control and, and have a direct relationship with the consumer, I think, is very, very important for any company that's getting in this business. Um, you need to be able to understand the customer. You need to understand what kind of content you're developing for that customer. And you need to collect data on it. And ultimately, you need to collect fans. Fandom is, like, listen, I'll give you the best example. You know, we went out and purchased Star Wars, the movie package. We knew there are huge Star Wars fans, right? As long as we know that we're going to put up Star Wars movies on TBS and TNT, we know we're going to get a fan base there. And then we know that they're going to follow that on social, have fans follow them. That's the key. The key is to build a connection to, to your, the consumer and the fan. Uh, now, earlier this year, uh, I believe I remember these comments correctly, you said that in three to five years, uh, what, what, what we consider to be television will look far different than what it looks even today, what it's 100%. looked like in the past. Um, not that I'm putting you on the spot or anything. Please do. But what do you think it is going to begin to look like? Is it going to be very simplistically and, or very complex? Like, is it going to be more geared towards you know, apps and sort of products that the media companies they control? Is it going to be more distributed through the existing uh, social and digital distribution outlets that we have? Like, what is your prognostication for television in three to five years? Yeah, I think a network, the definition of a network is going to be very different than the definition of a network today, right? So it, we, let's talk about all the pieces we just went through. Event programming, IP, um, you know, music, uh, virtual reality, all these different subsets is going to be what a network is, mm. what the content is. It's going to be about that's what a network is. It's not going to be a television network. It's going to be about a whole uh, properties of different opportunities. Is it like what you're doing with CNN, right? Because it's, you got CNN the television CNN is a great network. example. You're on Snapchat Discovery. You're on all Snapchat, these Discovery, Facebook, right. Instagram. Um, you know, we have, uh, we have other side products that have content. Great big story. It's a global, CNN is global, mm. right, in, in nature. And I think that's, this, is, this, this world's getting smaller and smaller. Global property. I think great big story is going to be a global property. I think eSports. Mm. Um, we have e-league that I think is going to be a global right, right. property. Right, so it's been, what, two years now, right, or close to two years? About a year and a half. So, like, I mean, I remember two years ago people were talking about uh, uh, esports being this thing, and you had ESPN broadcasting some tournaments on like 
if the Ocho existed back then, it was going to yeah. be on the Ocho. Right. Um, they did one or two. They, right, they right. They weren't committed. They weren't committed. You would hear about... Yeah, at the time. You would hear about all these different areas where, like, oh, you can actually watch uh, these esports tournaments. And then you guys went ahead and decided, like, we're just going to create a league. We're going to create a league with a commissioner... Uh, teams, <laughs> broadcast them on TBS, uh, yeah. if I remember correctly, yes. uh, as well as make them available online. Um, I mean, how many people called you crazy for even attempting to do that? All of them. Yeah. Including so why, my boss, by the way. Right. Including so my boss. Why do it? Like, what, what did you see that said, this is something that we want to be part of uh, as it grows, if it grows? So Turner has always been innovators. They've always been first movers. And we saw um, a lot of opportunity through the data that we were found, not really so much in the U.S., as we saw in Korea, uh, in Brazil, and a couple other places. And we saw that Bleacher Report, um, you know, people were you know, searching for that kind of content. So um, we didn't have any IP, we didn't own the IP, uh, we didn't own any teams. Mm -hmm. So we said, well, let's start a league. Um, and so we planted a flag, and we knew our biggest differentiator was gonna be our largest distribution platform, which is TV. So we committed to uh, Valve, which had um, Counter-Strike, we committed that we would ultimately run uh, 10 weeks, two, two tournaments for 10 weeks each on Friday night. But we, we also knew that we didn't want to disrupt what I would say the fans of eSports and the fan of uh, Counter-Strike. So we had to make sure we were authentic. We didn't want to be the big media company coming in and saying, this is how you should be doing it. We actually did the opposite. So, if you were to think about every week and 100% being what we broadcast or did 100%, 90% was still stayed on digital. Because this is really a digital medium. Mm -hmm. Esports is a digital medium. It's played on you know, laptops and it's played in, in a digital perspective. Um, and then the last 10% we put on TBS on Friday nights. We figured Friday night was the best night for reach young males. And so the combination of that is pretty powerful. Um, the research that has been done we were you know, accepted in the community immediately. We're very authentic. Mm. Uh, we made them back. Yeah, it's gamers, um, right? And so, you know, and now we have a lot of new advertisers in. We have 10 million people um, that have come to TBS that never came to the network before, ever. Mm. And we have four billion impressions that have been done across all platforms. Mm. And that's in a year and a half. Is, I'm gonna ask the business question, has it been a profitable venture yet? Um, has it been profitable? It's not losing money, okay. but I wouldn't be, I, would, I couldn't buy you a soda right now. <laughs> but maybe one day, right? Yeah. One minute's left. I wanted to ask, I wanted to do the challenge wheel once before we open it up uh, for a few audience q and So could we bring that up, guys? Hands on. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know it was going to be on the Wheel of Fortune today. Uh, well, we try to bring some sort of excitement to these. <clears throat> all right. Let's see where it stops. Am I Vanda White? All right, so let's do it with this one. I mean, I've been on it uh, a lot. Uh, Facebook's Watch, you, I mean, Bleacher Report uh, is doing shows uh, for Facebook's Watch. Yep. Uh, I believe, uh, I don't know, I'm sure other properties are, are, are working on that as well. Uh, is it a sure thing or is it going to be a misfire? Mm, I'd say it's too early to tell on that one. I, I, I'm, how many people have a watch, an Apple Watch? Exactly, enough said. <laughs> I don't think Apple Watch might be a thing either. Uh, That's what I'm saying. They, they, they think four people raised their hand. That's fair. Uh, one more, and then we'll go to audience Q&A. Amazon's the next big distribution platform for media companies. Hmm. Yes or no? Maybe? I'm going to say, and I'm not a financial advisor, uh, but I did sleep at a Holiday Inn last night. Um, <laughs> Amazon's tough to beat. They got, they got a lot of different opportunities. I mean, they're... they're 
their video business could be a break-even business because they realize that people that go to Amazon Prime spend a lot more in goods and services on all their other businesses. Mm -hmm. So their model is very, very different than anybody else. So I, I would say Amazon's distribution platform is something that we're, you know, we're looking at them for Filmstruck and Boomerang and all. So the answer is, yeah, I think, I think, that's, I think it's going to be a player. There's a lot of talk among media companies when we talk about Google and Facebook, uh, especially around like, uh, you mentioned it even earlier, Facebook's a friend of me, right? Um, uh, there's also just a, the general like fear of, of platforms. Uh, our, ish, our next, our current Never fear them. You should never fear them. So you would say you are not fearful of what Amazon might become and how we become part of their ecosystem, fear how we work together. Hmm. I mean, you know, fear, you shouldn't fear what's happening. I mean, you have to evolve and change your business to, to, to evolve into what the next generation of people are, where they're consuming. You can't fear it. Right. You have to change. That's a great answer. Uh, so we have uh, a few minutes. Does anyone have questions for David? After this quick break, David will take questions on whether the consolidations occurring in the industry threatens innovation and pushing digital properties to the forefront, and whether their business decisions have moved any important KPIs for Turner. Stay tuned, but right now, a quick break to tell you about Digiday Plus. Digiday Plus is our premium membership product, which gets you the Digiday magazine and a steady stream of exclusive research about the industry. You'll also get to be a part of exclusive events and the Digiday Plus Slack community, where we hold town halls with industry leaders every other week. And it's only $3.95 a year. But for our podcast listeners, and that's you, we have a discount. Enter the code PODCAST at checkout to get 10% off. Please sign up at digidayplus.com. Now back to the episode. Um, yeah, so you mentioned, obviously, the new OTT sports venture. Uh, I mean, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but yeah. what I'm going to call niche subscription VOD seems to divide opinion. You've got, like, Crunchyroll and Acorn doing phenomenal, uh, and yet you've got CISO and Shomi who are no longer with us. Uh, can you give us a sort of perspective on that how big they'll be? Well, yeah, or just that sort of market in general. So let's, I'll use Boomerang, because that's the easy one for us to talk through. So if you just think uh, animation kids thing, then it's small. But small in the relative size of where you know, Netflix may end up being, right? But we don't look at it. We look at the kids' business holistically. That's part of our kids' business. We have a cartoon network business. We have a Boomerang business. We have a direct-to-consumer business. We have a licensing business. We have an event business. And so, so we're in the kids' business holistically, and that's part. We're in the film business holistically, and we're going to be in the sports business. I think these direct assumers are in a larger business and a larger genre. I think that would be my answer to that. Uh, anyone else? Uh, there, please. Who's going to get to him first? Just so you know, these lights, we can't see you. Which I think makes it better. It does. <laughs> Uh, so Turner's acquired a lot of pro properties recently over the years. Turner uh, what? I'm sorry? Has acquired a lot yes. of properties recently over the years. Uh, AT&T has done the same. They own Turner Group, acquired full screen Rooster Teeth. So how threatening is all of this consolidation that's occurring in the industry right now to uh, innovation and uh, uh, pushing additional digital properties into the forefront? Uh... I can't speak for the industry as far as threatening of consolidation. I can only speak really very, very minimally of what the AT&T, I mean, ultimately this is not, this is a vertical, right? This is not about taking, it's not T-Mobile buying Sprint, which but that would be consolidation. This is about a vertical. So I think there's a lot of opportunities. This is going to be a growth opportunity for us. 
uh, in a lot of ways because we don't have any platforms. So to launch new products and new opportunities on, on AT&T, DirecTV, AT&T Mobile, just like not just Turner, but they're launching all practice for everybody. So um, consolidation, listen, I think you're going to see a lot of M&A. It's just, it's just natural because this business has got some challenges, right? If we're just going to stay with, um, you know, media Nielsen television ratings, well, they're going to continue to go down. They get a big lift watching this content. I just talked about, you know, Animal Kingdom being watched seven months from now. That's great quality content. It's just not being watched live in the normal, what it was in 1960, where you came home and watched primetime television. It's just not the case anymore. We're going to find our consumers differently. And we have to make sure that we, we, we prepare ourselves for that. And how do we monetize it? And so there are pieces to this puzzle, whether it's an OTT piece of the puzzle, or whether it's uh, an event, or whether it's a video game, or whether it's as a media consumption. But it's good to own the IP and be able to use it in that format. Cool. Uh, you've talked about a lot of big picture stuff, and you also talked about Turner being an innovator and a first mover. I was wondering if you could talk about something a little bit more tactical, such as uh, has there been an innovation in the last year that you guys have implemented around digital video that's moved some major KPIs for you? Has there been a, I'm sorry, one, say one more time. Has there been a, moved some of your, you know, important KPIs? Um, well, well, it's kind of interesting because I'm not looking at it from a digital-only perspective. I kind of look at it as a holistic. So I think one of the things, the ad tech properties, that they have, the products we're coming out with, to have audience-based targeting in our advertising business and our TV business is a differentiator. And in fact, you know, we had, I think, 600% in, you can quote me on 600, it's probably even more than that, but of advertisers coming in and trying to do more audience segment targeting around the television business. Um, I think the next level is to say, okay, there's audience base and we'll continue to do that. The next level is addressable. And you're going to have to build ad stacks and ad products to actually make that, that kind of business move forward. So to me, it's not so much about digital, although I think digital has some interesting um, opportunities around branded content and how to push that content across uh, all the social platforms and all the things that we're doing in that nature. But to me, it's about the television business um, getting into addressable and targeted advertising. Great. Uh, well, David, this was great. Thank you so much for joining us. And Thank you for having me. This conversation. Appreciate All right, bud. Good to see you. Thank you. And that does it for today. Thank you all for listening. If you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. To learn more about our summits, visit digiday.com slash events. For exclusive member events, sign up at digidayplus.com. And we'll be back soon with another episode.